Hi, and welcome to the Post-Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out-of-hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post-acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape in both home-based and facility-based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Today, we hear from Naveen Gupta, Senior Vice President of Home and Hospice Division for Matrix Care, and his special guest. Let's dive in. My name is Naveen Gupta. I am the Senior Vice President and Division Head for the Home and Hospice Division here at Matrix Care. Welcome again to another episode of the Post-Acute Point of View. There is no other issue in the senior care space that trumps that of the issue of caregiver and workforce challenges. An aging population, as many of you know, needs more caregivers and they need better ways to recruit and train them. Today, I am joined by Helen Addison. She is the CEO and founder of Care Academy. She has really a unique blend of, she's not only an educator, but also has a caregiver background. She has a master's in education policy from Harvard. And before that, right about then, you know, she founded her business in 2013. And if those credentials were not impressive enough, she has the distinguished recognition of being Fortune's 40 under 40. Welcome, Helen. We are so excited to have you. Naveen, thank you so much. It's such an honor and a privilege. I'm, I'm a huge fan of you and a huge fan of Matrix Care. So really excited to talk with you today. That's awesome. Helen, first off, we've never had a Fortune under 40 Fortune recognized person on our podcast. So we are honored and congratulations. Oftentimes we begin with our guest's origin story. We always love that. We'd love for our listeners to get to know who our guest is. So talk to us about your formative years leading up to really your passion and calling. We'll chat about Care Academy and its genesis in a little bit, but let's begin with your story, Helen. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure like a lot of founders, you know, love to talk about my story and a little bit about myself. But I, you know, whenever I try to tell my story, I think it's a story of a lot of people. So just even in brief, my parents emigrated from Nigeria about 30 years ago, and they thought a lot about the opportunities here in the U.S., that was, you know, really their calling and providing opportunity also for their two young daughters. And a lot of my own, I don't know about, you know, anyone else's background, but a lot of my own background has always been about education, education as this leverage point, as the opportunity point. And as a founder, and especially one coming from education, coming from a caregiving background, I just saw how hard my parents had to dually work in healthcare, but then we're also doing other types of service work because a lot of their own credentialing really wasn't valid in the U.S. And, and you know, find that here in the U.S., I think we struggle with portability. And mm -hmm. portability is this term that we use in terms of getting your existing talents and qualifications and really porting them over throughout the entirety of the health ecosystem, whether you're talking about doctors or nurses, direct care workers, that is something that is really, really broken within our, our U.S. system, but mm -hmm. there's opportunity there. And it's something that I have been deeply committed to. As a direct care worker myself, I often struggled because a lot of the education that I received was really sort of thought of one and done, right? I received the initiation, so I don't need to know anything else. And I think in healthcare, not only for direct care workers, there was a survey that came out a couple of years ago 
that mentioned that a majority of surgeons in the U.S. were using YouTube videos pre-op in order to orient themselves. And, you know, I think a lot of people were shocked. And part of that is the fact that we realized that physicians, surgeons, anyone, were really human. And it's actually necessary to encounter education and learning several times before we make it, you know, we, we take that in. The other piece too is that healthcare is not just in stasis, it's always moving. There's always new research, there are always new best practices, there's new ways of thinking about things. So how could we ever imagine that healthcare and healthcare education, whether it is for direct care workers or for physicians, you know, should be sort of one and done, right? And that's really the paradigm that I have been thinking about for my parents, for myself as a direct care worker, and for everyone across the continuum who does healthcare. How do we make education more accessible so that those who have to leverage and work with our patients and for clients on a day-to-day basis are getting the education that's sort of really just in time that helps them do the work of caring better, right? If we're really thinking about it, no one has ever learned anything once. I don't, you know, I don't think, Naveen, I don't know if you've ever learned anything once, but, but it takes continual practice. And that's really what spurns my passion for, for what we're trying to develop at Care Academies, because I saw in my own family's orientation and my own orientation that we needed to, one, recognize the skills and the talents and the willingness to learn of individuals in healthcare you know, throughout the continuum, and then also be able to add skills and retrain and reskill. So we made sure that we we're building folks who had the confidence and the quality to ensure really great healthcare outcomes and take care of the individuals that they're providing healthcare for. So that is a, a real just sort of quick overview about how mm-hmm. I think about Care Academy and the impact of Care Academy and, and my own origin story, I guess. So Helen, I really, I mean, it resonates with me. Your passion is absolutely clear. And there wouldn't be a single person that would say, you know what, I've heard a lesson or I've read something and I've been able to retain it, right? I mean, so the so your idea of being able to have a process where we can use the information that we may have learned once, uh, but to get retrained on it. And, and just your story about your immigrant parents and what you were able to observe and their skill sets. It just feels like it's it's a founder story. It really is where you're able to connect the dots, uh, see the passion, see the needs, and really bring that to bear. Great transition to talk about Care Academy, your organization. Congrats on raising a Series A. I I was able to do some homework and it's fantastic to see the progress that you're making. Labor, you know, as we started out, labor will continue to be the number one issue in our industry, and uh, and, I've, and I've seen the stats on the number of caregivers and the number of courses and classes that your organization has done, and and the vision that you have to continue to reskill and train more home care workers. That is, you're part of the solution. You're really part of the solution from from an industry perspective. Talk to us a little bit about the genesis of Care Academy as a founder. When when did you really see the problem and say, you know what, I'm going to do something about it? Yeah, that's a great question and a wonderful tee up. I saw the problem in, in parts. First, in graduate school at Harvard, we talked about 
what are sort of the opportunities of building the future of work, right? I actually see that we are so very blessed in the industry that we're in, in that this is really the final frontier of human-led work mm. in that, you know, when you pull apart the magic of a direct care worker or anyone in healthcare, it is a combination of skills knowledge or those hard skills, and then what we call in education, those power, those soft skills, being able to talk to family members about maybe a client that has late stage dementia and meet the needs of that individual and that patient and client in their care setting. It is the knowledge, the deep knowledge of the disease. It's the deep knowledge of what is that particular client likes, but caregivers and direct care workers really contain multitudes. And so from our standpoint, we've always thought about putting the end user, which is the direct care worker and the customer first, right? Since the very initial days of imagining platform that really curated learning for portability to enable folks to come into the field, we said, we can't build anything. This is just a nice idea. But, and I caution with for any founder or anyone listening to this, it's always about remembering your roots and your DNA as a product oriented company um, around those customers and that caregiver, or in, in our case, the end user feedback and building from there. So coming out of graduate school, I built the initial MVP and I remember getting caregivers to get on the phone with me or meet me in coffee shops just to get feedback on our initial classes. I always joke that I did every single job at Care Academy very early on poorly, but because I was really learning what would it look like to provide for this education. And we know that that happens in multiple parts. One, it's not just about the education itself or just the classes, it is how the classes were created. So we created the industry's first bite-sized classes that met credentialing needs across the country. And the reason behind that is we knew that like all adults, direct care workers didn't have time to sit around and consume whole classes, but really wanted this in education served up in a way that answered questions, that was really engaging, that really spoke to how to address the needs of a client in real time. I knew that's what I wanted as a direct care worker, and I was the first user of Care Academy. But when we learned this over the course of hundreds of thousands of direct care workers today, and the other piece that we learned is it's about curation, not only for compliance, but curation and providing for opportunities to learn just in time. We're about building a platform that undergirded that smart content a smart platform essentially for smart content. And we just saw that, you know, within the industry, there was just really a big yawning gap for the way that we're thinking about provision of education. You know, we're really excited and proud to say that the reason that we have the 92% completion rate, the reason that we have such high engagement is that we're attentive to every detail, but more importantly, we've built to the needs of both direct care workers and customers. And I think everything else falls behind that. The capital raise, we're really blessed, I think, with that opportunity, but it's really a lagging indicator of our ability to, as a company, to successfully launch a product that helps companies scale and also meets the needs of direct care workers right where they are. So I'm very proud of that. Helen, there's a lot for you to be truly proud of. You know, I love that smart platform and smart content. 
the ability to give people to, you know, and, and the feedback that you got from, from your direct care workers as to what do they really need. A 93% completion rate is, it's a staggering number. I know most people, whether it be on Udemy or Coursera, or you, you know, you, you go to any of these even public sort of online education platforms, nowhere near that. So to be able to create this bite-sized information and be make that more accessible to people so that they could do their jobs more effectively. And ultimately, it's not education for education's sake. You're driving better outcomes, better clinical outcomes, better care for people through what you're doing. So that's fantastic. You know, Hell, I'd love to get a, your view on, you know, if you think about home care, rightfully, it's getting a lot of attention as a result of the pandemic. You see the infrastructure bill, Biden's $2 trillion, there's $400 billion being carved out for home and community-based services, including talking about improved wages for caregivers. And then if you look, look at what's happening with Medicare fee-for-service shift to MA plans, the expansion of supplemental benefits that are there, you couple that with the minimum wage discussions, immigration laws, the cost of recruiting and filling these jobs. I was looking at a trade paper uh, not too long ago, right? So we're talking about almost seven and a half million direct care jobs will be needed by 2029. And at home care in particular, that's about four and a half million. So there's this looming demand out in the horizon. And I know you, know, you and I have chatted, you, Care Academy, certainly you're, you're solving for the now, but you've got broader vision as to how can education and technology really help solve and maybe narrow the gap there? Absolutely. And I think that we're in the eye of a perfect storm. And this industry is set to really change, radically change healthcare for the better. If we take new approaches, right? I don't think we can, and I love this saying, and I think it's been attributed to a lot of people, but something I kept repeating to our staff, the Thursday, so March 11th, Care Academy effectively sort of shut down its headquarters and we all hunkered down. And I said, look, Here's how we're going to come out of this, right? This is our testing ground. It's our proving ground to do something quite remarkable. We must be of the moment and cannot miss the moment. And that saying is never waste a good crisis. And I think home care is in the midst of a perfect crisis that is, you know, going to be the pressure point and diamonds are going to come out of this moment. And we think about Care Academy, I really kind of distilled that down to a couple strategic points that we're going to be talking more with our stakeholders and customers about, and of course, my, you know, my board, but there are a couple of opportunities here to think bigger. One, we believe in creating radical workforce opportunities. So, and upskilling, it's that key word that's actually part of our sort of tagline as a company, something that we need to lean into. You had a moment, just to talk very real for a minute, a moment in the last year where Amazon has hired over half a million people, I believe, or a million people onto its workforce. And it's a level of blue flame thinking about creation of opportunity. I think that home care and home health has something that a lot of these organizations do not have. And I think because we're an adjacency of the greater healthcare ecosystem, there's a wonderful and tremendous opportunity to leverage the learning and the multitudes that our direct care workers contain and be part of that ecosystem and create multiple opportunities within that ecosystem. And so we distill that as really workforce opportunities and thinking about ways that we upskill direct care workers for the work of now immediately. So how do you add on additional classes in order to have direct care workers 
come in and learn and work as they go, and then create even larger opportunities. And I, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, but you know, I think we're going to come into a world where direct care workers are going to be greatly specialized. And that is the new final frontier coming out of this COVID pandemic. The second point that I really also like to make is really pragmatic, right? I think software like Matrix Care and, and Care Academy really enable this, but how do we remove these points of friction in terms of how business is sort of done, right? Do we have, are we optimized in terms of the technology stacks that agencies are using that we're allowing a level of interoperability? So you have the talent management and data management, all of that are working in concert to attract someone before they consider a job elsewhere, right? It's something I always make mention of, as simple as being sort of what's under your hood as a home care agency and leveraging that because all of that makes a huge difference in terms of your ability to not only attract someone, but then also getting on the phone with them and simple parts of the process that from an enablement standpoint, really help agencies get quality talent through the door. And right now it's not just about the folks who already have the skills it's also about the folks who are willing and able and i'm going to underline that for our audience today how are we leveraging talent who may not have a background in providing home care but enable them to do so and i think technology and technology certainly like care academy enables that and the other two key points really go back to thinking about the sort of ecosystem opportunity and the emergence of home care as part of healthcare, tracking key performance indicators. You know, once you've done the work of really streamlining your technology stack, making sure that it's working for you, I think the other thing is tracking what the outcomes are. Ann Tomlinson, a really great thinker around Medicare Advantage Plan, said that the fight really is about making sure that we've got metrics in place that show that we can keep the lights on, right? We see a lot of home care and home health agencies really struggling to come up with those KPIs. And so helping home care really think through tracking operational efficiency, are they able to leverage caregiving talent and get folks out into the field and what impact that's having is a really big opportunity for us to lead from the front when it comes to healthcare. And then finally, just thinking about healthcare as a part of the healthcare ecosystem, what are the outcomes that are coming out of our ability to go into the home and service into the home, right? What are the satisfaction metrics? Being able to package and position that, I think puts home care in a whole new light. And the home care and home health agencies that are able to do that coming out of this pandemic, I think will really win the day, especially as there is set to be the largest driver of capital as well as attention into this field. There's going to be a tsunami of interest over the next couple of years. We're already starting to see it. And I think those four points really underline from my vantage, you know, the things that home care has to do to really not only keep up, I don't ever like to have conversations about keeping up. I think that's a defensive play. I think it's we have an opportunity here to lead from the front. Yeah, Helen, you know, it's a lot of, you made some really, really great points over here, you know, from 
the KPIs to you know the outcomes of home care. And really, I don't necessarily see it as an adjacency. I see it as such an integral part of the of the healthcare ecosystem. There's enough studies been done. Absolutely, absolutely. Show right if you even have a home health episode, and you couple that with home care. You've got demonstrated KPIs to show that it re- reduces readmission, for example, right? And then to your point about the upskilling, and I want to talk about that a little bit because the needs are only growing, right? So if you look at sniff diversion, you have conversations happening about that, the sniff at home models or the hospital at home models, or even just skilled private duty or skilled line of yes. business because yes. higher acuity is moving to the home. It, that shift is already happening where will these workers come from? It may not be that you'll find all these new workers, but there is a role of this upskilling. So talk to us a little bit about that upskilling piece of it. I think that is really interesting. And why again, Helen, is because we have a number of providers that listen into our podcast and they may be sort of grappling with some of these issues. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. And issues are, and challenges, let's start framing those as opportunities, right? I think that I, I'm super excited to talk with you about this, but One of the things that I posit is that we are leaving the world where the direct care worker is a generalist. And what happened within healthcare over the last 20 years of specialization is going to start happening. It is already underway pre-pandemic and it's only going to be exacerbated because of all of the the trend lines that you just noted, Naveen, that you see, you know, we're here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. There's a championing And in fact, I think I was reading a trade paper as well that the acuity models of hospital at home, this is really the birthplace. The bedrock of it is happening here in the Commonwealth. And it's, you know, I think we're going to see an increasing amount of hospital systems who are signing up for the opportunity to test out, you know, acuity within the home setting and figure out ways of doing that. What always underlies innovation within healthcare are people. I think that there's been an emergence of talk about technology and innovation, those are the things that go hand in hand. But I would actually say that we've also got to do the people innovation as well. So back to even the original question, I think that we're going to enter this world of the direct care worker as a specialist. There's not one ladder and ladder of opportunity and ultimately economic and skills opportunity, but there may be multiple coming out of this pandemic. And what I mean by that, so, you know, for instance, we have already champion the idea of 10 specialized certifications dealing with some of the most, the highest comorbidities across a census within a home care agency. So meaning that a direct care worker not only has their initial certification, but the care academy really gets certified in a set of other skills that are valuable in making and ensuring that patients and clients are getting their needs met in the home setting, right? I am a huge believer that we should lean into this idea and this opportunity that you not only skill someone for one job, but this is not a not even in healthcare. I think across all industries, there is no such thing. And we've left a world where you can learn to do that thing once in college and you're one and done, to my point earlier, but we're preparing for direct care workers upon hire. We say to Helen, when she was a direct care worker, we say, Helen, thank you so much. We see all of the skills that you have and we appreciate your home health aid certification, but there's a world of opportunity 
here with our agency and with us as a provider, we see a number of opportunities where you could be a specialist in dementia, a specialist in sort of COPD, a specialist in sort of infectious diseases, right, within our agency. And you're going to be really the go-to as we think about opportunities with our clients and our patients to work in, in different settings with different, you know, uh, members of our staff. And we're going to create a blueprint for your career within our organization. How powerful is that, right? How powerful is, is it to say to patients and to clients, we not only have thought of folks as generalists, but you should also know that all throughout our staff, these are not low-skilled workers. These are continually upskilled workers and our specialists. So everyone across your care team is specialized, right? How much of a differentiator is that? And I think that world is here. And so we're a huge champion of the world and the rethinking and reframing as caregivers and direct care workers, really being also upskilled as well as nurses and other clinicians to meet the needs of folks across acuity. And that's really the world that we're headed into. And what I'd also offer then, I'd be remiss if I didn't do this, is also challenge our policy ecosystem, right? We already see on the private side, a number of companies who think like this and already started creating this world. However, you know, I think that's incumbent on policy, whether it's federal, I think the stimulus package is first step in the, in the right direction, but making sure that those who are creating policies are also getting introduced to sort of this blue flame thinking and creating this world is going to be absolutely necessary, not just the providers, but also the policy as well as the associations. And we make a point at Care Academy to do something called policy dev, that is thinking about policy as, as a point to be leveraged to create and innovate. And I think we all have to be thinking that way as well. Helen, you know, again, you touched on a really lot of really great ideas. And I, I really on the people innovation, because even at Matrix, we talk a lot and there's about technology being a labor multiplier. We're of a firm belief that, you know, we can do a number of things from a technology perspective that will make the lives of caregivers easier, that will allow them to have a better work-life balance that they don't have to chart after hours, for example, or what we do with UI, UX, what we do with voice engagement, they could use, we could, there are a lot of predictive tools that we can use as well. And that's right. But there's also this people innovation, which Helen, it was so powerful when you said that the conversation that you can have with the direct care worker to say, thank you for everything that you're doing. Here are some other opportunities that you can further specialize and you can, you can help fill the need that's there. And I agree with you. It's powerful. It's empowering. It's uplifting. And to have the tools, the infrastructure to enable that is really, it's really a, a great part of the solution there. And certainly there's a lot around policies we can talk about as well. Helen, you know, just my final question to you, if we step back and we're all in technology, we're in healthcare, and we're looking at it from different ways, coming at it from different ways. Certainly, if you look at the continuum, when it comes to caregiver satisfaction, there are a number of things from certainly education, compliance, training, but, you know, you also have, you know, making sure we're hiring the right skill set, the application process, the onboarding, the compensation. Today, 17% of shifts remain unfilled today, right? So that's revenue leakage for providers, but also caregivers may not be able to optimize the shifts that they have. So if you step back, or maybe it's a little bit of a utopian view to say, you know, what else could we be doing? And Care Academy is doing what it is, and you've talked a lot about it. Just if you were to step back, 
what are some of the other ways that we can make a difference over here? Yeah, I, you know, I think I hit a lot of the points earlier and I'll maybe double down on, on a couple of key points. I really believe in creating frictionless systems. I really believe also for all of the blue flame thinking and the innovation piece of, you know, the 20% that meets the 80%. And yeah. that goes to the systems that we create too, right? One of the things that I ask folks to do is they're looking at some of that leakage. How do our systems enable and how do we create sort of frictionless systems that have caregivers? How do we increase the show up rate for caregivers? How do we increase the number of folks who are engaging with the agency? And how do we increase the pipeline of direct new direct care workers? And so I think that's a really is the, the work of now for a lot of home care agencies and providers. We see ourselves as part of that. I certainly see also matrix care as a part of that as well. But looking at systems and saying, where's the throughput? Where it exactly is the leakage sort of in the pipeline? Is it in the recruitment? Is it in the, in the retention of direct care workers? And really imagine, you know, I, I love to posit this idea of imagining a home care agency or home health agency as a startup in and of itself, right? And talking to folks who may have come in and attrition, you know, what exactly was it for them? What are the reasons that we're finding for attrition or unfulfillment of some of those hours, right? I think that there are system and industry-wide statistics. And I really, I say yes. And I think every agency and every provider of services really does well in terms of digging down into where are they having particular challenges and then utilizing your base, your staff, your, your direct care workers to find some really interesting solutions to that, right? And so I remembered a couple of years ago doing a webinar with a provider who talked about how he leveraged the community of some of his most successful direct care workers to really fill that recruiting pipeline. We spoke with another provider of services who actually does a, a daily, a weekly, a 30-day, a 60, and a 90-day check-in with newly hired direct care workers who are most likely to attrition. And they've seen, you know, a 30% increase in terms of retention, right? Like that's remarkable for just implementing processes and systems. So I think it's always due in part to technology and creating, you know, very frictionless uh, systems and technology stacks, but then also looking at process and opportunities to really tweak processes from a very unique perspective dependent on the provider. Thank you, Helen. Really great thinking organizations such as yours providing great leadership, rightfully influencing and helping through the use of education and technology the needs uh, that will be created for the seniors that will be beginning to age, and that's just only accelerating. Caregivers are truly at the heart of what makes aging and care possible. And you, Care Academy, and many other organizations that are really forming the backbone uh, of the solutions that we will need. So thank you, Helen. It's been an honor to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much, Naveen. I've really appreciated great questions, and, and uh, thank you, everyone concludes the latest episode of the post-acute point of view from matrix care we have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss so be sure to subscribe if you've enjoyed today's podcast and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss leave us a review to learn more about matrix care and our solutions and services visit matrixcare.com you can also follow us on linkedin twitter and facebook 
Thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.